back to the third place. We have exited the world of Hyrule with the Ocarina of Time, and we are now going to set forth on the stage of history. And I can't wait to get into the Soul Calibur discussion with arguably one of the early founding pillars of the show, someone who I know everyone has positive things to say about the one and only Frying is back from Tekken episode. How are you doing tonight, buddy? <laughs> I am so good. I'm so glad to be back in the third place. It's been a while, <laughs> but uh, I found my way back, and it is amazing to be here. Thank you for having me again, Sam. Well, my pleasure. As <laughs> Listen, I had to have you back on because the Tekken episode is not only... Granted, when I say that uh, every episode is like my favorite, I do mean that. But like the Tekken episode was a special episode. Yeah. I think it really it brought out so many people out of the woodwork who are Tekken fans, which is like that was really nice to see. Like, oh yeah, this like fighting game franchise has like actually a super dedicated fan base across all ages and. Mm-hmm. I think we got into a very deep and drunken, uh, mostly (laughs) for me, discussion, a deep dive into the franchise that I think not many people online have probably ever gotten into. So, of course, I had to bring you back on and for another fighting game franchise made by Namco, of all things. Yeah. Uh, But before we get into that, I have to ask, because you are a lovely second-timer on this show, and as tradition for second-time guests, I must ask, since we last discussed on the pod, because we already text each other every day, so, but (laughs) for the listeners who have not heard heard you since, oh god, like, September last year? Yes, September Um, of last year. So what have you played in over a year? Because uh, I listen, I know you've been playing a lot of things I've been talking about, so I want to hear it. That's very true. That's very true. Um, first, just really quick, congratulations on over 50 episodes now of The Third Place. Aww. That's quite Thank. the milestone and quite the marker. And Thank you. You're welcome. I've listened to every single one of them, except for the new one. I haven't listened to the Zelda one yet, so I need to enter into Hyrule. <laughs> chop, chop, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what have I been playing the last like year and a half or so? Well, obviously, I've still been playing Tekken. Um, <laughs> Tekken, Tekken 6, Tekken, uh, Tekken Tag Tournament, Street Fighter versus Tekken, um, Tekken 3... All uh-huh. which were lovely gifts from you. So thank you so much <laughs> for that. <laughs> My pleasure. Uh, yeah. Um, and then honestly, Sam, like I have kind of kind of taken the approach that I took similar to like my journey through like the Perfume Nationalist podcast. I've kind of gone through you know the catalog of all the episodes and went back and kind of discovered things that i might be interested in just based on the episode and the discussions Mm -hmm. so i've been playing a lot of games that uh you have covered on the show so it's been super exciting um Mm -hmm. i 
all of your, um, you know, all of your talk and discussion and, you know, photo opportunities that you post on Twitter and talk to me about personally, um, going to your, you know, your little video game stores and digging up hidden treasures and treasures lost to time, old video games. Um, I kind of went on that journey after the third place started as well. I discovered a, uh, great used video game store local to my area and I kind of just dove in and went for it and started hauling stuff home <laughs> and mm-hmm. trying it all out. So, um, yeah, so I've played, what have I played recently? So I've been playing, obviously, the fighting game franchises. And then I've been playing, uh, I dove into a little bit to Bioshock, uh-huh. Bioshock 1 and 2 from your episode with Alec. Uh-huh. Um I dove into, or actually, I revisited Grand Theft Auto 4 uh-huh. from your episode with Hayden, which was epic and <laughs> one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah so good. Um, I brought uh, Devil May Cry 4, uh, which I still haven't gotten into yet, but it's definitely sitting there waiting for me to play. um (laughs) i can't wait to finally get into the double may cry series and then yeah so my gaming is kind of still reserved to just kind of like old stuff right now because the only console that i have that i like to play on is my playstation 3 so a lot of like older stuff um i was super excited (laughs) i i went and got a copy of uh tony hawk's american wasteland Oh, but yeah. then, if you recall, yes. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I can't play this game on my PlayStation 3, damn it. <laughs> no. Well, hey, I mean, at least you'll have it for the day. You know, when... mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I've you've kept me up to date on what you've played and all what you've gotten. I think the biggest yeah. one that you've played since we last talked, at least in terms of what you've gotten really into was Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, that yeah, that game uh changed my book on like open world games and like Rockstar affiliated like Grand Theft Auto adjacent type games like that game The Wild West the um the way that the government and the feds and the uh, police are all like the sheriffs are all kind of like playing with John Marston and like blackmailing him and all of this stuff. Like it was just like an incredible story. And the just like the world that was created is just like immersive and beautiful. And yeah, that game is incredible. I haven't played the second one, but. Yeah, Red Dead Redemption was like a game changer for me. Once you get your PS5, you're going to be playing Red Dead 2. <laughs> yes, I will be. <laughs> yeah, Red Dead 1 is it's a special little game. Well, I guess not Little's or Little's not inappropriate, but I think it speaks volumes to the fact that like everyone has like some very strong personal connection to it. I mean the the story of John Marston in that game is like immaculate and it's a really Red Dead's a unique little franchise for Rockstar because it's like it 
they took it on after the first one, which was Red Dead Revolver. Yeah. And that one is like kind of different from Redemption 1 and 2. So then they like, I know everyone kind of joked about it being, oh, it's GTA Cowboys, which it kind of is, but not really. It's yeah. more about like literally kind of embodying the spirit of the dying West and Cowboys on their last, you know, their last bit of life and it's very melancholic at times it's very kind of self-reflective and it really does feel like a kind of a just true classic western and also at the same time it's not like a lot of times games they'll kind of just be referencing movies and shows Mm -hmm. and all that like when they do their homage but like Red Dead feels very confident in being its own standalone thing. Yeah. And which makes me really appreciate it. And then I also I have a respect for Red Dead too, even though it's got more critics. And it's more kind of doing with the stuff around the game than necessarily what's in it, just because it's like it was the last game made by a lot of the original Rockstar figureheads at the studio so it kind of feels like a swan song farewell to their life as rock star members while you have this cowboy gang that's on its last you know last uh moments too so it's yeah it's a very it's one of the few franchises where it's like melancholic and kind of like not depressing but like you get a sense of like oh yeah like this is like I know it's going to end badly sort of thing. Yeah, it totally does. And you're right. It has that like cinematic period piece. uh, Yeah, like movie feel to it. It really does. It's like an immersive, interactive video game experience that also feels like you're like watching it and taking it all in as well. And you're like feeling the story. You're feeling the character's emotions. You're feeling um yeah just the betrayal and the struggle and wanting to like provide and still keep your family safe while still having like to do all of these you know crazy like missions and like be you know skirt the line of being an outlaw but also playing the game within the law too so you don't end up like destroying your life and in turn destroying your family's life it's wild yeah got a very like slow west type vibe to it yeah and there's so many all the little i i always appreciate little things and like i love the music for that Mm -hmm. game like i can't remember where it plays in the game but there's this like really really great song that was made for the game um I can't, I think it's, ah, man, it's been a while since I played it, but it was like made by a guy named like Jose. It sounds generic, Jose Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this like really, really melancholic, slow, like country esque song that like even today that I still, it's like I can still hear like the melody in it and it feels so true to that experience. Well, yeah, it's very Brian Core, if I will say so. Um, <laughs> uh, 
let me tell you, I mean, the fact that you, me, and Logan were joking about Ram Ranch uh, with the game. <laughs> it, I mean, you know, I think Ram Ranch is a little bit more permeate or uh, um, important in the second game just because it's about your be- your wonderful gang of miscreants um, who all are just like some level of like fucked up, but which on one hand also people I know people complain about like oh it's a diverse you know they have you know a diverse group it's like I, I don't care I'm here for cowboy yeah. vibes like right yeah um <laughs> I'm good on the diversity <laughs> I don't need a diversity quota yeah I mean and but yeah whatever I mean the point the point being is is like I think the red dead games are I think there is a reason why people feel so strongly about those games and because mm-hmm. they really aren't like anything else like they come very much from that grand theft auto 4 energy of being this kind of like dour semi-realistic take on the world you know gta 4 being this kind of realistic gritty and kind of pessimistic view of new york city and america yeah. in the late 2000s and you know, there's no real happy ending in that game. And Red Dead, the Redemption franchise also, I think, kind of goes off that too. And I I feel like Rockstar feel, in a way, they felt more comfortable making a, style, a game like that, you know? Oh, totally. Um, and yeah, there is like a, there is kind of like that melancholic feel to it a lot because it's like a lot of the plot or like a lot of like what's going on is like, uh, westward expansion right so mm-hmm. the east and the government want to keep continuing expanding westward 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 when everybody that's already there and established they're like don't you know don't bring don't bring your you know don't bring the city to the west like this is a wild west for a reason like we like it out here we've established our roots here you know we live the life mm-hmm. the way that we want to mm-hmm. um and the the eastern creep into the west is a huge part of that play. Yeah, the Redemption franchise is very anti-Yankee. I yeah. feel like, <laughs> uh, which is you know refreshing. In yeah, I mean, granted, I'm speaking as someone who is a former Midwesterner, right? Uh, or Midwesterner, as somebody who's from California. <laughs> but you can tell that it has a very anti, uh, like northern atmosphere behind it which is again is always funny because rockstar is a scottish company um right so it's always hilarious when they like get a little close to being on the nose Mm -hmm. like you know like grand theft auto 6 trailer coming out and it's like oh yeah because they have the carte blanche because every hood rat black guy loves gta that they they can't depict everyone as like rocket scientists. It's like, oh yeah, no, here's like all the black women look like Lizzo and all yeah. the black guys look like, you know, uh gangbangers. Yep. It's like, oh yeah, they actually can be like talking about the real things. Yeah. Uh and then they make your beautiful Latina GF uh have big hips. Mm-hmm. And one, she's actually kind of pretty. Yeah, uh, she's hot. Um yeah, which is wild to think about. It's like, oh yeah, Grand Theft Auto Six was re- announced. Uh, felt like forever. 
uh, th that would ever happen. Uh, thank God, because I got tired of GTA 5 after a certain point. Yeah, it's yeah, GTA 5 is tired and done for, and it's but just it's, like crazy. It's you the endless like cash cow. Oh, I know, endless, <laughs> and it's just crazy that I know now it's been announced, it's like still not coming until like 2025 so who knows when it's actually going to be released that year what I've, all i know is that when the day comes that will be the only thing that people talk about uh oh yeah even and for g the num the general population will be talking about too yeah which was kind of hilarious to see at least for me because i've been cognizant of like anti-gta people for a long time now and it's like wow gta wasn't six was announced and there's like already a new crop of people online who are like firmly anti it mm -hmm. for being like quote-unquote degenerate and it's like gta's been kind of that way since day one right uh yeah so it's, it's hilarious to see that it's like Oh yeah, this this conjur this uh controversy has just been reborn, right? It, <laughs> it's the tale of guns and so souls and swords told retold eternally. Exactly the eternal the eternal story. Um, yep. <laughs> one one thing I will say though about the Grand Theft Auto Six trailer is that, or at least Grand Theft Auto and Rockstar in general, is that they just always, always, always hit it on the head when it comes to like soundtracks and the fact that they included love is a long road by tom petty is like just perfect for that trailer like i love it yeah it's <laughs> such a, a banger exceptional song choice but that is to be expected of rockstar like they they yeah. know good music yes they do so thank you for sharing me what you have played even though of I course. already, even though I already knew what you've been playing, yeah, but the uh, people need to hear. Yeah, the people need to hear this. <laughs> like you know, they haven't heard from you in a year, in a year and some change. So, and you've been doing a lot of work. You've been putting in the work. So, this is why you're an esteemed gold star member of this show. Um, so to get into the topics of tonight, which is obviously the Soul Caliber franchise, but before we get into that. I wanted to discuss briefly the concept of the fighting. I guess it's like fighting game deconstructed, if you yeah. will. Like fighting games on the surface are very like to the average person, they just see, oh yeah, it's two characters punching, kicking, using weapons, what have you. And we kind of got into this with the Tekken franchise a little bit, or the Tekken episode but fighting games are like a vessel to which we enter this sort of stage this like epic stage and this is something yurk who's been on this show before mm -hmm. and you know yurk has his own show just everyone listen to it please um <laughs> but he mentioned this and i still always reference it this sort of concept of that the fighting game character is really more or less an avatar to which we like inhibit as players yeah. And for me, and this you know ties into Soul Calibur because Soul Calibur has this like historical, fantastical uh, setting and aesthetic to it. And it 
this whole like being on the stage of like this grand duel for the fate of whatever, like the world, the universe, you know, the tournament or whatever. Yeah, whatever the stakes are. Yeah, fighting games are like they're unique in this sense because it's like fighting games are so defined by the characters that we play as. I mean, we literally had a segment about talking about characters, you know, maybe not about how in deep they are, but um, no, but which ones we would like to fuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. But the point being is like, you know, Tekken is an example of this, you know, and I've talked about dead or alive on this show also and street fighter three as well. Yeah. Um, but this concept permeates through all of fighting games. Like, you know, everyone has their quote unquote main that they yeah. play as. Like they have they did, you know, fighting games like you're dedicating tens of hundreds of, or even in the case of some crazy people, thousands of hours to perfecting the move set of a character. You know. And it's interesting, you know, fighting games are this like unique vessel to which we inhibit a game world. So I don't know if, Brian, you had any sort of thoughts on this sort of concept, like that fighting games are like the stage of, you know, whatever conflict that we as players are now a part of sort of thing. If, you know, you have thoughts on that. Yeah, totally. No, I totally understand what you mean. And, um, you and myself kind of talked about that like in our Tekken episode earlier um just kind of how like I kind of explained that like I found myself attracted to characters and character designs in fighting games that you know when I was younger I got into it because I was like into martial arts right so mm-hmm. I always found myself drawn to characters that were like designed in like geese for their costumes and things like that. So I was immediately drawn to like Street Fighter. I was immediately, you know, drawn to like Ryu and Ken and Dan and all of those characters that were wearing like geese and had um, like strong, like martial art moves. Um, and then like Quarang, like same thing. One of his main costume or his main costume um, was his like Taekwondo gi. So like, that was like a way for me to kind of like um, in my like young mind was a way for me to like relate to those characters and be like, Oh, okay. So that guy looks like me when I go to Kung Fu class or whatever. So I'm going to try to embody him and take his moves and master his moves and become, you know, an extension of myself in the video game and become like a master martial artist or like the best character in the game is, you know, try to perfect their skills as best as I possibly could. And then, you know, like learning about who those characters are as I play the game more and more, like I find myself, okay, I'm, you know, this is me. Like my mm. rival is Jin Kazama. And my, well, well you know, technically, my rival if you're if, 10 masters. And, yeah. Well, technically, if you're, if you're, you know, because it's been noted that you are a Hua Rang uh, man. You wouldn't yes. be rivals. You wouldn't be rivals with Jin. You would be uh, fuck buddies on the side with him. That you. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> that's true. It's not so that's subtle, our, everyone. Our... It's not. <laughs> that's our fighting. <laughs> I mean, in tech, in Tekken Eight, in the customization, I could be hallucinating, but I saw a screenshot that says Jin can wear Hua Rang's outfit. 
And I'm just like, they have, they share clothes. (laughs) I know, exactly. But the point, you know, not to get too derailed on Huarang and Jin touching, (laughs) touching holes. Uh, Yeah, this is, Um, (laughs) we're we're like not even like 30 minutes in and we're already like teching episode part two, but that happens. That happens. It happens. happens. Um, But yeah, I mean, it can be everything from like, your basic fighting games like you know putting yourself in those characters shoes like mortal Kombat. you know you you know you relate to Liu kang and wanting to become you know the greatest fighter of like the earth realm taking on shao khan and shang sung of like you know the nether realm and then trying to even even not just like your basic standard fighting games but like when i was younger i was super into like WWE and WWF. So same thing, like mm-hmm. finding your favorite wrestling character and all of like the SmackDown and Raw's war games. And then also the customization feature where you could create your own wrestler. So you're putting yourself literally into these fighting type games. And it's just a way for you to, yeah, put yourself into that world and assert your dominance mm-hmm. over everything. Mm-hmm. And win, yeah. win, become the champion. Yeah, it, fighting games are unique, really, because there's no other genre that is so character centric. Obviously, I mean mm-hmm. RPGs are the closest because by nature you're spending forty, fifty, sixty, seventy, eighty hours of your time with an RPG. Therefore, you get connected to the characters just by kind of being with them a long time and i guess fighting games are similar in that sense like if you're really into it you're gonna put the hours in but like fighting games are like they live and die about like they live and die on the characters because like and it could be over really super you know superfluous things about a character that people will love and hate i mean yeah uh Everyone at home, if you want to play a drinking game, uh, take a shot anytime me or Brian says Tekken. Um, uh, uh, Tekken 8, like people have been kind of clowning on Steve Fox's face because he looks like he has a chunkier face than his last outings. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that little of a detail is like derailing people's like love for Steve Fox, who's been a iconic character in that franchise since the fourth game. And uh, like no uh, no game has like not had Steve in it. No. But like the fact that he has a chubby face is like causing people to be like, eh, I'm not gonna main him anymore. Like it it becomes that like petty mm-hmm. when it comes to fighting game characters. I mean and I, I fighting game characters like they you know, we we can like heroically want to embody like, you know, as you said, like the sort of martial arts masters of Ryu and Ken and all that. But like some people can like sort of role play in themselves of being a character who's like a cheap asshole or, you know, uh, sort of uh, imposing like villain character. I mean, Mm -hmm. Street Fighter, you have like Akuma and Bison as being yep. like these all like terrifying beings and pe- like the fighting game allows a, a person to kind of temporarily feel like they are the ultimate like li- quite literally like final boss or like greatest rival to the main character and 
I think fighting games by nature of just their design, where it is just two v you know one v one on some sort of grandiose stage, you know, I think that kind of just it mm. elevates the you know the sort of perceived uh or the implied meaning of this moment into like the stratosphere for a lot of cases. Oh, totally, totally, and that's a really great point with when you mention like street fighter and like akuma um because uh, you know i would also dabble with playing with him and like you know venturing into the the dark side if you will and because a lot of you know because a lot of his moves are virtually the exact same as like a ryu so you can play the flip side and be like the bad guy you can be you can embody the evil and still play pretty masterfully if you know like ryu or ken's moves because akuma is like the exact same move set basically so it allows you to take the skills that you've developed and you know honing and learning how to play as like the good guy and then mm -hmm. you can totally flip it on its head and play as the bad guy and mm -hmm. destroy the good guys yeah, I mean, name, like, I mean, Mortal Kombat is like this, where, like, obviously you have, like, a lot of the, like, quote-unquote good guys, but, mm -hmm. like, how many people, I mean, you obviously have, like, Raiden being, like, a good guy, but, like, everyone wants to play, like, the two fighting, like, twin ninjas who are, like, clearly, eat like, Scorpion being, eat like, yeah. more, I guess, more evil one. And Scorpion has yep. like literally become iconic because he is like the the anti version of Sub Zero and you know sort of antagonist force to like the quote unquote good people of Mortal Kombat. But you know you hell, I mean even this can apply to something even more simplistic like Smash Bros. I mean Smash Bros. is more about franchises and which franchises you love. You know, growing up and playing games with, but. Yep even then it's still an opportunity to be like, Oh wow. Like I'm feeling as if though I am playing someone in a smash arena in this sort of fantastic place of iconic symbolism. And I'm just duking it out with these other sort of like mainstay characters from a different giant franchise. And I think another part of this too is the stages like stages I think guarantee like most nine out of 10 people would never care about the stages most of the time. Yeah. But like, if you look at like stages and like how a lot of these places become kind of ingrained in people's memories, I mean, take a shot. Like when I play, <laughs> like when I play like Tekken four, which is, I think a very underrated game in the franchise, it's honestly becoming more and more my favorite, even though it's got problems. Yeah. Um it's like Tekken 4's stages are so cool to like look at, especially in the grand scheme of things for the franchise. When the franchise has gotten to really extreme levels. Like, but like Tekken 4 has like, oh yeah, you're fighting in the mall, you're fighting on mm -hmm. the air airport tarmac, you're fighting uh in the you know, shopping district, you're fighting in the jungle, you're fighting on the beach, like and these sort of simple on paper places now become like these I don't know if it would be like a an appropriate use of the word, but kind of like liminal spaces in a way where it's like 
through the music and the visuals and how the characters interact with the environment it come it becomes more than just like set dressing it becomes like oh i'm again like i am on a stage fighting for some sort of perceived monumental thing in my life which is you know it's just another piece of the puzzle that kind of adds to the like the stakes of it all you know yeah exactly i mean uh take another shot um tekken like putting your you know having those battles take place in like the mall or the beach or whatever it is it's just another way for you to again kind of put yourself into the place of that character in your mind and just be like whoa what if you know what if i was here and i encountered heihachi mishima like in the middle of the mall and what happens if this battle would actually take place what are the repercussions what are the stakes and how could this battle like alter history how could this battle change the course of the war that's occurring whatever it may be um yeah those like real life stages where these battles are occurring um where in some games especially like in like later versions of these series and franchises where the stages are like interactive and break Mm -hmm. apart or the floors fall out and you go to like a different level or whatever it may be like Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. things are all becoming like real life um real life stakes and you can again just continue to feel that you're actually a part of it by extension through these characters that you're playing yeah no i agree it it's interesting like fighting games are like digital dioramas in a sense where it's like little i mean it kind of boils it kind of boils down to a very i guess you could call it primal thing in all boy like all guys when they were boys it's like here's action figure a here's action yep. figure b and they yep. are fighting in my mind they're fighting yep. in the air in skyscrapers and causing <laughs> you know punching each other into buildings yeah and fighting games kind of are just like whether or not you think a kid should have like whimsical imagination or not, or have a video game, that's a discussion for another day. But, (laughs) you know, a fighting game kind of, I think it speaks to all guys in a sense, because it's like tapping into something very deep in our like subconscious to like create, I don't know, create conflict. Like, and that sounds like, Conflict. create conflict but then also resolve it resolve it through your um through your skill and your strength right mm-hmm. yeah it's it's not about <clears throat> like like if you look at like a game something like what a young girl would like be into versus what a young guy is into it's like two different worlds and in the young boys world it's about like I it's like a mixture of just like going like being able to go to a place beyond reality because I think every person imagines themselves getting into a fight at some point whether if they eventually did get into one or not Mm -hmm. like there must be something in our like male brain that be's like you know okay what would I do in a fight like how would I fight how would I approach this 
you know, yeah. what's, you know, if there's a crowd, how's the crowd going to react if I did this or whatever? Mm-hmm. And fighting games are just like, okay, but okay, what if though? Like, it's like that kind of like joking thing of like, okay, you're imagining your fight, but you're in this world where you are, you know, a guy battling his genetic devil uh, heritage and <laughs> your rival uh, Taekwondo uh bro bestie uh uh can't let it uh can't let you win because he's a hothead like you know we 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 as developers have now created that avenue for you as a player and i don't know if i may maybe it's like an autism like my latent autism being able to like transport me into like knowing what the developer is wanting to evoke in a certain image but like damn if like i was a kid and i was imagining my action figures fighting like fighting games are a very realistic one-to-one translation of someone's imagination like percent and you know so we'll get into it proper it's like soul caliber it's like soul caliber is like the most classical kind of uh in- interpretation of that where it's like these uh, different sword wielder characters fighting in these quite literal like fancy like fantasy settings where yeah. there is no connection to reality except for your fighter and what weapon they use or like where they come from other yeah. than that it is just like we are going into the sort of great beyond as it were of the imagisphere to coin a phrase um Really, like talking about this, all makes me realize is just how like fighting games and RPGs are very similar to each other. Um, oh, for sure. And I mean, just like especially like with the modern uh, modern customization features, like in fighting games now, where you customize your characters and they can gain, you know, they gain points and skill levels with like different mods and customizations that you put on them. So that's kind of like also like an RPG um feature added to like fighting games mm-hmm. yeah. very true i mean literally like soul caliber has like baby rpg story modes like in yep. their games like it feels so not like a recent example it's like street fighter 6 has a has one of its main pillar game modes is you creating your own fighter and taking them on an rpg like adventure to try and like become a one a world champion martial artist but to interact with all these like both beloved and new characters to street fighter six like it's i mean and it's no and tekken and soul caliber kind of just go in the more of like hey what if you got this character but what if you put a toast head on them like (laughs) What if you what if you gave King a Hawaiian t-shirt? Um, right. <laughs> what what if what if you turned a beloved character and through the magic of our customization tools were able to turn them into another character on the roster? I've seen that happen. Yeah. I've I think I, I've seen a clip of like someone in tag tournament two turn Asuka to look like Lily and Lily to look like Asuka, which is hilarious because <laughs> in the game those two are rivals. 
yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> but you know, like Soul Calibur, it's like, oh, hey, I can, I'll use, uh, not to get ahead of myself. It's like, oh yeah, in Soul Calibur Six, you can create your own like dem- demonic little monster minion, and they, because we didn't have developer foresight, you can give them like a giant dick and balls, <laughs> uh, not because not intentionally, it was by accident. But that yeah. is possible. That is possible. That is possible. <laughs> and you know, you can customize the main rosters, costumes, and all that. Like, there's different yep. interpretations of the RPG fighting game as RPG thing. But I think it kind of all ties together in the whole concept of a fighting game is like you are on. You feel like a you know Shakespearean battle for good good versus evil or what what have you you know it's yeah. it's not just simply i'm trying to beat my little brother and show them that i'm the top dog in the household sort of thing even though it clearly is at its at, at some <laughs> level yeah but you know i think that at least i've had examples where it's like my i remember playing smash melee and one of my brothers was like constantly beating my ass and it was like (laughs) i felt like in that situation it was like life and death to beat him Mm -hmm. at least once and like i had to go through the character roster and find the right character you know that like would suit me the best and by extension kind of make me feel like you know i'm inhabiting it which for context which eventually was kid link um, yeah, which, which felt very symbolic as as a young, like eight or nine year old, going against my brother who was the Ganon who played as Ganondorf, I believe, if I remember correctly. So it became weirdly up, like symbolic. Now that I think about it, I'm like, holy shit, I'm recreating Ocarina of Time. Exactly. God, I, it's amazing. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you made a really, really, really good point uh, a little bit ago when you were mentioning, like, the translation of the imagination of taking action figures, which were a huge part. I mean, I can only speak for myself, but action figures were a huge part of my childhood growing up. They were my quote unquote guys, and I brought them everywhere I went, right? And everywhere... I went, I took GI Joe's or uh, Batman figures or, you know, whatever, like wrestling figures, whatever it may have been everywhere. I went, I took those and everywhere I went, I created a battle. So there was always a battle going on in my imagination between my characters and the environment that we were in. And yeah, so I think that was a perfect um, analogy that you made and like a way to kind of explain the mindset maybe it is kind of like a like delving into like or tapping into like your childhood with that imagination but i think that is at its core like what the basis of the fighting game is is you taking yourself and yeah and just enter you know inputting yourself into those situations and becoming like the good guy or you know if you wanted to play as the the villain characters, you could. But yeah, just taking yourself and play in, inserting yourself into those like environments and making those battles play out in real life. Mm-hmm. So I think that was brilliant. It's a really good point. 
sometimes I surprise myself with my cave <laughs> with my caveman brain. Um which is funny because fighting games at some level is a very caveman uh mm-hmm. type genre of I press button to punch man. Uh exactly. It <clears throat> and I guess also in a way fighting games by extension of like technology getting better and you know in certain cases like budgets getting higher and higher we get to see like even more like the fighting game stories like they're getting even more intricate and more like Mm -hmm. larger than life and apocalyptic and like grandiose like again take a shot like (laughs) <laughs> me, me and Brian saw the Tekken 8 story trailer so and, it's li- and it's like yeah we're seeing Jin and Kazuya in their devil forms literally laying waste to like New York City skylines and punching each other through skyscrapers and you know sending energy lasers through like Broadway like yep. this feels like just you know and you contrast that to like Tekken 1 where it is like the most basic interpretation of what a, a person is supposed to look like. And like all those cutscene endings are more or less just like, oh yeah, Kazuya knocked his knocked Haihachi off a cliff and he smiles. Like that's mm-hmm. all that was so simple back then. But like, you know, in a way, fighting games I think have always been destined to sort of reach these like ginormous sort of aspirational uh interpretations of like what is going on in the universe of these games that like it was it was just like oh yeah we were destined to get here and you know the game franchise of tonight like soul caliber is very much true that's like soul caliber even when at its start as soul edge it's like they're already telling this grandiose story of like this evil weapon that will bring you know just you know years upon evil to whoever you know turn whoever wields it into an evil monster and the world's greatest you know weapons wielders are here to try to stop it and they come from all sorts of backgrounds of the world like greek and ninjas and chinese swordsmen and uh like english axe wielders like you know, yeah, the, German the, like German knights and yeah, like the, the the building blocks have always been there. Like I think every fighting game franchise can like safely say that even at their start, at their most basic forms, they were already building to the concept of like, yeah, these fights really are the greatest thing that is happening in this moment, in this world, and inside of our brains. Like, yeah. and that's why you know, as part of my long going uh fran- you know a uh, series inside the show of sam learns how to love fighting games <laughs> this is the thing i love about this genre is that like i can bust my ass and still not understand how a game works because let me tell you fighting games are hard to learn they are. i can at least appreciate that like this genre as a whole ha- allows me to believe i am something different than i am and you know this (laughs) this uh is translated into the fact that it's like 
oh yeah, in Tekken, I want to be either a giant Mexican wrestler who wears a <laughs> wears a a jaguar mask or a a cunty woman of <laughs> you know like Nina super spy. Yeah. Uh, or in like Street Fighter, I want to be like Cammy, which I'm only saying that because Cammy's cool, not because of anything else. Uh, <laughs> Cammy's so hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because Cammy's hot as shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, or you know, you want to be like Zangief because he's the strongest in the whole perceived, you know, world of Street Fighter. Or you want to be Ryu, who is the classic good guy Shota character, where he abides by good and struggles against evil, but he always stays true to his fundamentals. Like you can always relate to that or, you know, dead or alive. I just want to be Kasumi because I also want to be a hot Asian girl with my, uh, beautiful legs and orange hair. <laughs> yes. Um, every fighting game, I think allows people to connect to the characters more so than I think they're willing to give them credit for because mm -hmm. I think most people only view fighting games on the surface as like, okay, it's just a sort of combatant, you know, me versus one person and that's it. But there's really a bigger story going on, literally. Yeah. In in your brain, fighting games are actually the greatest thing known to man. Yeah, they're the greatest thing known to man. Oh, guest appearance. <laughs> guest appearance, but... It's Ava... Listen, Ava, what do you think about fighting games? <laughs> she loves fighting games. She's still learning. She's not as well versed as Callie was, but <laughs> <laughs> she... rest in peace, Callie. Exactly. But Ava, you know, she'll get off the training wheel soon. <laughs> yes, she will. <laughs> she'll get she'll... out of training mode and she'll try to venture venture into the story modes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Exactly. See, she gets it. She listens <laughs> to my show. She does. She's your number one fan, <laughs> besides me. <laughs> but yeah, um, I guess I don't know about you, but I think I've we've exhausted this talking point pretty effectively. So you just want to get into some soul calibers? Yeah, let's let's set the stage. <laughs> let's set the stage of history and get into this funny little franchise known as Soul Caliber. Transcending history and the world, a tale of soul and swords, eternally retold.
on my soul until my caliber <laughs> I don't know I don't know that's good <laughs> just spit ball in here <laughs> I like that I'm gonna soul edge the reboot <laughs> soul edging is, all day <laughs> the reboot will be called soul goon <laughs> so Let's discuss this big old funny franchise known as Soul Calibur, which officially started uh, with its first entry of Soul Edge back in April 1996 in the arcades and has since spawned seven sick, uh, subsequent entries, which have been given the name Soul Calibur in the franchise. As a result, is now known as Soul Calibur. And it is a 3D fighting game, much in the way of uh, our favorite fighting game franchise, Tekken. And it's set, and set and you know, it's developed by Namco, same company. So there are very, very obvious similarities if you see them. Uh, but Soul Calibur's main distinction is the fact that it is based around using weapons instead of fists and kicks and all that stuff. Uh, and also, instead of being a in a real world, you know, real world in the sense of like modern day, this is set in like the 16th century 
and involves very much like fantasy concepts, you know, like the evil cursed soul edge and that is trying to, that is so tainted with evil of past battles of uh, civilization that now anyone who wields it will be corrupted by its evil and only the pure soul caliber can defeat it. But yes, this franchise, while it is not a mega seller like certain fran- franchises are, it is still a legendary franchise, which one of which people have fond memories across many of its entries. So I ask you, Brian, what do you think of the Soul Calibur franchise? Well, I think uh, Soul Calibur entered my life around a very similar time as like Street Fighter and Tekken and like Mortal Kombat. My first real, um, my first real time like playing it and discovering it again, just <laughs> kind of going back to um, our first episode together about Tekken was uh, seeing Soul Calibur cabinets in arcades and pizza parlors and playing them and being, you know, drawn to, again, the beautiful 3D graphics and 3D character designs and the interactive stages and the, you know, being drawn to it in a different way because it was something different that I'd never seen before. I'd never seen um, characters wielding weapons very few and far between in any other game franchise is anyone else using any kind of weapon. I think just off the top of my head, I think the one that pops into my brain is like Baraka from Mortal Kombat, but that's about it. Like nobody else really in any kind of fighting game or any franchise around fighting um, uses or wields weapons. Um, So that was a huge part of it. Um, So yeah, I was super, you know, and finding out and knowing that it was like by the same, you know, the same company as Tekken and looked and played very similar to Tekken, I think took, you know, was a huge part of why it kind of took over and became one of my, you know, favorites and go-tos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think most pe- like most people's introduction, I think, came with either the first or the first three games that had the caliber name to it soul caliber yeah. one two or three you know yeah, the first soul caliber two for me yeah and soul caliber one famously being a dreamcast game actually you know it being one of the first examples where the home console version was actually better in some cases than the arcade version uh and you know soul caliber became one of the best selling and best revered games on the dreamcast i i believe it even it was one of the few examples in which a fighting game won game of the year when it came out which is was and still is a rarity and that speaks to how quality of experience it was from the music to the graphics to the gameplay you know it, it was a game that wasn't autistic like a lot of fighting games are like street fighter or tekken or Mortal Kombat, where it's like learning these long strings of combos in order to, you know, feel like you're using the game appropriately. It was right. a lot of shorter combos, and it was about like being kind of smart on the fly about how do I guard, when do I guard yep. correctly, how do I, 
use the eight the eight way run you know fe- uh feature of the game which yeah. lets you navigate around the stage freely to an extent you know it was more than just like okay i got to learn the combos like crazy it's like no you just got to learn how to use your horizontal and vertical attacks appropriately and the big gimmick of the stage will you know or soul caliber has and always has and always will be the stage outs you know yep the glorious stage outs <laughs> um which i will say the first game is full of them like the those stages in the first game are small so yep. those would happen a lot and the the uh time honored unspoken rule that if you get a stage out you have to jump off with the enemy like yeah <laughs> um but I really think Soul Calibur hit its stride and really hit its cultural moment with the second game because it was on more consoles. It basically did everything the first game did, but better. And it introduced a thing that many fighting games nowadays do, which is the guest character, which, you know, yes. bring, bringing a character over from a different franchise to be a part of it. Where Soul yeah. Calibur, each version of the two in Soul Calibur two, each version of the game had its own unique guest character. Where yeah. the PS2 version had Hihachi from Tekken, yeah. uh, the Xbox version had Spawn, you know, the, from the comics, and yeah. then they famously the GameCube version <laughs> had Link, Link, um, which is really which, even though I never had the GameCube version, uh. And I only got into Soul Calibur recently in my f- quest to learn to love fighting games. I will say, like, I can, from what I've read, everyone hated the kid who played as Link because he was just, like, made for kids to, like, buy the game, which is very obvious. Like, uh, and it worked because the GameCube version sold the best. Um, <laughs> why am i not surprised by that that's hilarious <laughs> and then it's doubly hilarious that soul caliber 3 was a playstation 2 exclusive so <laughs> all those kids who got soul caliber 2 to play link uh were left in the dust uh, <laughs> but if the thing about soul caliber that has always kind of fascinated me is that whole concept what we're talking about is is the stage i mean the a common phrase that the announcer in Soul Calibur has always said, you know, two of them is this, you know, it's the stage of history and it, it is a tale of souls and swords eternally retold. And I think those are great kind of summarizations of this franchise because much like a long running fighting game franchise that gets long in the tooth, like you've seen how, the games have kind of tried to reinvent or retell parts of the game, like whether it be like, oh hey, Soul Edge was defeated in one game, like, and this character we wielded it. How do you know in the next game, here's this character on a quest to defeat said wielder of the Soul Edge, and it kind of balloons and avalanches into this new and more crazy thing. You know, where eventually when we get to the fifth game, they do a time skip by 17 years, I believe. Yeah, 17. Um, yeah, and then six is kind of like a re- soft reboot of the franchise where, granted, Soul Calibur Five was is considered the worst one in the franchise. But, you know, you know, Soul Calibur has been retold again with six. Like, they kind of are 
cleaning the slate as it were of what they did with the fifth game it you know every fighting game franchise has its way of trying to like retell or tell its story differently or continue the story you know tekken tekken just continually chugging along with its story mode yeah Um, and then like uh mortal Kombat with their recent one right they tried to like basically reset the entire story yeah they 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 did a like timeline reset or whatever yeah um or even street fighter where they like for a bit they like went back in time before like with street fighter 4 being set before street fighter 3 and only until recently i think that like street fighter 6 is set after street fighter 3 it took them street fighter 4 and 5 are still like old settings for the game franchise but now like they're finally going forward it's like fighting games have this bizarro way of like telling their stories or trying to tell their stories and soul caliber is just like another example of it where it becomes like this fantasy opera in a way kind of how like tekken's this like modern day soap opera soul caliber has become this like fantasy anime soul soap opera where you have all these characters on their own individual journeys and they all have like their own you know backstory that kind of connects them with other characters in the roster you know um and you really do grow attached to them like one of my favorite characters in this franchise is rock uh who's this big lumbering giant guy who wields an axe and he has a rhinoceros head on his as a mask (laughs) and like his whole story kind of stems from the fact that he washed ashore on you know the lands of america after you know his soul edge was being transported by his parents and then he was raised by native americans and he's referred to simply as the white giant uh <laughs> and then he raises his adoptive uh indian child and you know him struggling with like you know trying to be there as the adopted father and realize that that's the more important thing in life like it's again it's not like deep or anything fighting games are not shakespeare on the surface really but they always kind of speak to like lacent truths in life you know what i mean 100 percent. yeah i totally agree like it takes it does it does a it does a really good job like like other fighting game franchises or like it's like brother or sister franchise with namco tekken it does a really good job of at least establishing these unique and different characters and giving them you know a enough of a backstory to know like what side of you know what side of history they want to be on what side of the eternal struggle between swords and souls that they want to be on and it does a really good job of playing that fantasy playing that fantasy out and how you know uh, showing you how they interact with the other characters within the roster and most of them kind of end up teaming up together like one of my favorite characters is maxi the um <laughs> the dandy of the sea if you will he's uh <laughs> he's an eccentric um he's an eccentric like ship captain who ends up pi- you know piloting a ship for 
other characters that are on this journey to go find and destroy Soul Edge. Um, so he becomes part of that crew as well. Um, and so, yeah, it's just, it's really cool um, how fighting games like Soul Calibur can create all these unique perspectives um, and really put you into it um if you're willing to dive that far i mean obviously most people you know like we've discussed earlier in the episode it's just like find the surface level of like video games as like the one-on-one thing but me i like to i've always kind of liked to find out more about the lore about what's happening and this is another one where you can really get immersed into this like fantasy world that's based off of history like Mm-hmm. characters like real life you know like characters like king arthur are like are referenced within the story of soul caliber but caliber but it's still like this fantasy world right mm-hmm. yeah soul caliber presents a roster that you can really get invested into because it feels like their struggles do feel like this grand stage production that you can get attached to like you think like I think of Killick in yeah. his like connection to the evil seed uh event where his whole tribe in China uh was basically corrupted and killed each other yeah. and he had to kill I think a friend of his and he basically set out on a quest to defeat Soul Edge mm-hmm. and you know he teams up with many sort of a few other characters in the roster like Shang Hua and and Maxi. Uh, so, yeah, Maxi and I think Sofita mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um and also being taught under uh Edgemaster, which is kind of a <laughs> funny name. Um he's the ed- edging master. Yes. But I like, you know, uh Edgemaster. Edgemaster is like one of the coolest designs, I think, in the whole series. Like yeah. like full stop, like this sort of Celtic warrior type looking dude. Like he's celtic warrior but he looks like a ninja at the same time it's kind of wild uh like there's um there's a great i think it's a concept art i posted today of him and he looks like he was drawn in the style of like some sort of celtic painting in like the early like 14th century and it's just like oh man that's so cool like he's I will say like all the characters, like both the the men and the women are like just cool looking across the board. Like Tekken has that too, where it's like all the characters look cool and they also yeah. look beautiful. And same with Dead or Alive. They also they look cool, they look beautiful, they're hot, and they got j- jiggle physics. Um <laughs> and this applies to, you know, Soul Calibur, uh famously with the at this point, I feel like series mascot, like I think it's safe to say she is uh yeah. Ivy. Yeah. Uh Ivy with the most out I, when I say outlandish, it's just because it's I haven't seen a character with this sort of costume in any other game where she has these like uh basically nothing covering her except like strappy yeah. strap straps. Yep. Like around her body that barely can like hide anything. These high heels, this sort of like giant metal arm. She has the some of the biggest pairs of honkers I've ever seen. 
and she's got that silver yeah the silver hair with the purple and the gold like it's such an amazing design uh also with her and taki her and taki have some great bazongas if you know what i mean um uh but ivy too like ivy's another character too where she's the illegitimate child of um of a pirate yeah, Cervantes, who, Cervantes de Leon. who who was one of the wielders of Soul Edge. Like, yep. it, you know, there's like all these interconnected, like, you know, things tying together this cast. And, you know, it's so great. And later entries bring into like other things, like even the deeper, far away lore of like Al Gold, you know, the guy yep. who was tasked to who could wield it, but his son was corrupted by wanting to be better than his dad. Like yep. he's all like very classical, very dramatic Shakespearean like things are present in soul caliber, which just only adds to the sort of like enjoyment factor, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. Like there's something so uh, pleasurable about playing a game where, you're immersed in this fantasy world where there is this weapon that basically is so powerful and so evil that it just sucks up and steals souls all around it and so much bloodshed and um, devastation has been wrought because of it and because of the people that wield it um, like the Cervantes de Leon um, Ivy thing like Cervantes stole his daughter's soul with that sword so she's just walking around as like this soulless entity until she's able to like finally revive her soul through like um through like the shattering of the soul cow or the soul edge sword um and yeah like there's just something so crazy and so cool about trying to uh navigate through this world where you don't necessarily know who actually is good who actually is evil because all of these different characters have heard of this weapon before and they're trying to find it and mm -hmm. you don't know necessarily know like what their intentions are but then it's revealed like oh this is actually an evil weapon so those people end up wanting to not wield it or they want to destroy it like uh who is it Oh yeah, the Mitsurugi is initially sent out to like find the weapon to like save his like homeland, but like once you actually once he actually finds out that it's like evil, like he is becomes one of like the main characters that's trying to destroy it. Yeah, no, it there's so many layers to it all that you just kind of get sucked into the universe of this game franchise and you know, that that's like a unique thing to this franchise that like separates itself from Tekken. Like Tekken obviously has like a grandiose larger life story, but it's very much like contained within the Mishima family drama. Yep. But like Soul Calibur, it feels like these giant rosters have all an equal, some level equal part to play in all. Like, you know, for example, I mentioned Rock. Rock who would probably be I guess like the king of Soul Calibur, you know, king. When I say king, I mean king from Tekken. You yeah. know, Rock would appear to be like that, where he's just kind of like tangentially, like you know, connected to the storyline. But no, like Rock actually was there 
before Cervantes acquired Soul Edge, you know, there's a connection to all the characters in some way. Uh, And also another thing that connects the two, these two franchises together is the lovely ninja himself, Yoshimitsu. Yoshimitsu, yeah. Who is a who, if I remember correctly, is a different Yoshimitsu, not the one from Tekken, which would, but there is like a connection to the two, which is even yeah. crazier, um, which only makes Yoshimitsu even cooler as a character as a whole. Like, oh yeah, this this guy is this ninja swordsman is like always <laughs> present in these like world conflicts. Uh, and then eventually his later generations looks like a space alien. Uh, yeah. But like, uh, and one thing most people would hate, I think in most franchises is the fact that like Soul Calibur, only a few characters have been present from at, with every game, mm-hmm. which I know a lot of people would be kind of mad by that. And I've heard those opinions like, you know, seeing a character like, I, like uh, Sofitia uh, being not in Soul Calibur 5, mm-hmm. which people were upset about. Like, she's a mainstay of the franchise since day one, and she's yeah. not in this one. She's in six, you know, all this sort of stuff. But I kind of like that, like, every character doesn't feel like a guarantee. Like, there are new yeah. players to the, to the scene. There's, you know, classics kind of take their take a back seat to things like you know you think edge master the guy who trains uh killick to be present in all of them but he's not like edge master is only present in like two games if i remember correctly um you have you know sir uh mainstay classic man lizard man he's not yeah. in, uh, he's not in every <laughs> game i mean hell even ivy was not in the original soul edge like I kind of like that every character has like there is a time and place for them. And, you know, even as the story continued to get more and more wild and more like dramatic, I like how that they're still finding ways to keep that whole main beat going with the characters and the storylines. Like that's what makes sort of the, the other half of Soul Calibur, the one half being gameplay and the other being like the sort of characters and storyline. Like it still keeps me invested to know yeah, what totally. could be, could what could happen. Like who's going to be in Soul Calibur seven. The only guarantees that I probably have are Cervantes, uh, Mitsurugi and um, Siegfried. Like yeah. uh, those are my only guarantees in life that those three are going to like be there. Um, other than that, like, Hey, like Sig, you know, Maybe Lizard Man will be brought back in some capacity <laughs> in tech in Soul Calibur Seven. Who knows? Like, that's the fun of it all to me. Like, or part of the fun, rather. Yeah, totally. And you know, playing off of that, also something that's fun about it is that it, if those mainstay characters aren't there in a particular game, the uh, Namco and Project Soul still pays homage to them by placing characters that are either related to them or um, really close to them. So like Sophisha or Sophitia, uh, the Greek the Greek warrior with the giant boobs also, who <laughs> yeah. her, her character design has been 
wrought with controversy along with Ivy and Taki for their giant boobs and their gorgeous bodies and their sex appeal. Um, <laughs> you know, the, she's not in Soul Calibur 5, but her kids are. So Petro, Petroclos and Pyrrha. And they're like the main characters in like story mode of of uh, tech of Tekken. Excuse me, Jesus Christ, take a shot. It's <laughs> yeah, caliber no, five. <laughs> they're very easy to mix up because they're made yeah. by the same company and they're three D fighters. I get yeah. it. Yeah, and then um, just another one. This I can. That's very important to me because I love to play as them. Is uh, uh, Killick and Jingwa's son Jiba, who's also like a. He's like a young, like what he thinks he's like 17 year old hot shot with the staff fighter. And he's incredible too. So even though these, you know, these mainstay classic characters from like the beginning of the franchise don't necessarily make it into every game, their story is still told through friends or still relatives. Trend. Yep. Yeah. It's, offspring. Yeah. Yeah. It be it's a different way of kind of continuing to make something bigger and bigger. Like, you know, Tekken again, like it, they did it with like that time skip going into Tekken three. It's like, Oh, here's Kazuya's illegitimate son or whatever here. Yeah. Like King is King one has died. Now King two is taken the, taken the mantle you know, martial law son Forest Law is now in the tournament, and he has never been seen since. We'll no. No, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but like, I love when a game kind of is willing to do something like that because it just adds to the grandeur and the spectacle of it all, and not necessarily relying on like, here's a new mechanic. Albeit Soul Calibur has added stuff like this. Don't get me wrong, but like. Yeah. It's not about like, you know, here's a new mechanic or here's a reinvention or here's like, you know, this unrelated character. It's always, they're all kind of like, they're, they all have a connection to the storylines that have been told prior. And, yep. you know, I think that just adds to Soul Calibur's appeal other than it's really fun gameplay. Like, yeah, you cannot deny the fact that Soul Calibur's unique visual and auditory like aesthetic is so it stands out so well of being this like fantasy setting mixed with historical-esque type imagery you know when you boot up soul caliber one and you get like to the level the coliseum and it's this like picturesque like roman you know mosaic tile and it's like gorgeous blue water and like the sort of architecture in the background or yeah. i think of um in soul caliber 2 the eurydice shrine gallery like that one in the sky um that's also like a very greek sort of place yeah. um the home of Sophitia, um or you know the pirate ship level in two or yeah. um like uh the village of the wind with all the like mech gears and mechanisms kind of like you know in the background like <clears throat> there's like a it's like both classy it's but and also like whimsical with like its setting and you know place in the world and just having this like a fighting game with weapons like kind of makes it come off as a much more like kind of classy affair you know it's not like 
here's bare knuckle brawling. You know, this is, these are trained warriors with weapons and they're all different. And another thing too, is that you can equip different weapons for the character, like, you know, with different stats that can change slightly how things play out. Like it's just, again, it's not like megaly complex, like other games in the genre, but it doesn't have to be because it's just like, what is there keeps you engaged and then the story also keeps you propelling forward it's this like one two punch and i love it so much yeah i 100 percent agree and you're right like the stages and the locations of soul caliber are so incredibly like detailed and beautiful and then to match that with characters that are so intricately designed and hot and gorgeous and look really cool um also on top of that or behind all of that happening is like this incredible beautiful like orchestral arrangements and this amazing music it's like some of the best like video game music i've ever heard in my life it's all stunning and Mm -hmm. this like classical it's like classical music that goes along with this classical you know, 16th, late 16th, early 17th century setting. It just feels like it fits so perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, what, <clears throat> like, I can hear the opening songs of Soul Calibur's games, like, in my head. They're so, like, they're so, like, full of pageantry and, like, mm-hmm. just, like, you know, it's like hearing band music, like, uh, you know, big orchestral bands just kind of yep. like, and I like classical too. They're not like, you know, just modern day orchestral music. It's actually mm-hmm. like this very pageantry, very gr- glamorous, very big and bold music, you know, and plus two, you know, those openings too. My God, are they like amazing too? Like this the soul caliber one intro is like plays in my head of all the weapons falling and all the characters yeah. intercut and special uh shout out to soul edge where it has that anime ass opening that's still catchy as shit um, <laughs> it's such a great song i listened i've been listening to it a lot lately um also another thing about the soul caliber one intro is that i think you if i remember correctly you can customize it uh, to have different characters appear on screen. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> my favorite thing was seeing a guy just edit it so that it's all Lizard Man. Throughout. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. It's so good. But why would this game have that feature? I don't know. But it is amazing that they did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> again, and they, you know, the Soul Calibur 2 intro, the fact that they work in like their guest characters into the mix too, also kind of amazing it's like pretty incredible yeah i mean who doesn't want to play as link or Hihachi or spawn like even though spawn being in is so bizarro but it's still such a, yeah, pretty cool such a random choice like did xbox not have any other like i mean i guess to insert <laughs> i mean they could have i mean i guess halo yeah. um but that would mean he would only use the energy sword right um <laughs> I guess they could have done Dead or Alive 3 because that was an Xbox exclusive. Uh, missed opportunities, but I guess because, you know, actually, no, no, 
Hihachi's like a you know uses his you know fist. He doesn't have a sword. Yep. Um. So they could have done like Kasumi from Dead or Alive and Xbox. So strange, but you know what? I'm here for it. I'm here for Spawn and in, De- in Soul Calibur Two. Yeah. Um. I mean, it, it's not as crazy as Soul Calibur Four that has Yoda and Darth Vader in it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one that makes no sense. But like, why the hell not? Even though Yoda is like a broken character because, uh, he doesn't get grabbed because he's tiny. Right. <laughs> he's too it's small. So it's so silly. Um. Yeah. I think I I think Soul Calibur, this franchise series, is one of the best uh in introducing like the guest characters i think they have a pretty amazing slate of guest characters that they included in their rosters so from you know from the heihachi and darth vader and then like kratos from god of war is one of them uh devil Jin also makes an appearance later in like uh soul Calibur five which is really cool mm-hmm. and then um what's his name uh the witcher Geralt. Geralt, yeah, he's in there. So yeah, I mean it's and then oh uh Ezio or Ezio from Assassin's I, Ed, Creed. Yeah, Ezio. And then Ezio. And then um Soul Calibur Six DLC had to be from Near Automata, which was also a base choice, if I do say so myself. Yeah, um, she's she's hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, she is. Um <laughs> And it's hilarious that she is in there, but um, I, I, Soul Caliber, it's kind of in a way, it's kind of sad that the franchise has never, it really did peak with like Soul Caliber one and two in terms of sales because it's like no. the level of care and respect and love that goes into just this concept of an idea. Like, you wish that, like, everyone plays it. But, like, on the flip side, it's actually, like, kind of nice to see that there is a franchise so beloved. Because when I said I was doing Soul Calibur, like, there was a ton of people who, like, just were, like, you know, on board with that. Like, yay! The, the, <laughs> you know, it's... I love that it has this sort of, much like how the game presents itself as a prestige production... Like it has garnered a prestige in of itself. Like it's a franchise that I think people sorely miss, even though it's got a you know relatively recent new entry in the franchise. Granted, it's been you know five years. Uh, still yeah. waiting for Soul Calibur Seven. Please, Namco Bandai, <laughs> please, or Bandai after Namco. Tekken 8. <laughs> yeah, after Tekken Eight, please make Soul Calibur yep. Seven. Please, please, please. please. <laughs> um. You know, but I think much in the way like Dead or Alive has like a fan base that like, even though it also was never like an immense sales darling, it too has garnered a fan base that looks fondly back on it. And I think that speaks to one, we need more 3D fighting games in general. Tekken can't carry the burden by itself any longer. Agreed. but two, I think that like when there is something good and whether or not people agree that a certain entry is a good entry or not, I think that's irrelevant. Yeah. I think the fact that people can jive with the idea speaks volumes to 
the idea itself. You know, it's, I think it's just a, a testament to the quality of this IP, you know? Oh, I a hundred percent agree. And I think, honestly, I think we're going to have a decent shot of getting a new soul caliber relatively, relatively soon, I would say. So you have, this feels like this last year feels like it's kind of been a revival of the fighting game franchise as a whole. I want to say like, you know, we had street fighter six, we had a new mortal Kombat, We have Tekken eight coming out early next year. We have rumors of virtual fighter five or virtual fighter coming back. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, especially with, you know, Tekken, Virtua Fighter, Soul Calibur, these are all beloved and also pioneering 3D fighting games. And I oh, think God. that... Can we please have Virtua Fighter back? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, it's I think... been 84 years. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and I mean, honestly, like, Virtua Fighter, well, excuse me, not Virtua Fighter, but Soul Calibur took a lot of inspiration from Virtua Fighter I mean as did Tekken but one of the main you know one of the main things you mentioned earlier um was the whole ring out thing ring out was like basically pioneered by Virtua Fighter and mm -hmm. Soul Calibur took that and you know went with it um but yeah I think I think we're in a place right now in like video game in like the video game world where these beloved games are going through like a process of kind of failing a little bit but then like rediscovering and rebuilding and putting out a grander product so i think oh yeah i think i, I think we have a i think we have a shot to get a soul caliber 7 oh i for sure. I, I think so i mean soul caliber 6 sold 2 million which is i think yeah. was considered a success but you yeah. are right i mean off air brian and i were talking about how like in hindsight, it was sad to see Tekken 7 be so bare bones at launch. Yeah. But knowing that it was coming off the heels of a game that didn't sell well and almost killed the franchise. And, you know, Tekken 7 was able to kind of have a steady growth and have enough copies sold to the point where Tekken 8 looks like it's going to literally give me a blowjob and tell me you're doing great, <laughs> sweetie. Like... You know, in Street Fighter Six, like it endured a rocky point with Street Fighter Five, and it was able to come out of that dark period and come back with a quality hit title. Mortal Kombat One, eh, maybe not as much, but the two yeah. Japanese games franchises definitely did. And yep. you're, you know, the room, the the more or less confirmed that Virtual Fighter is coming back. You know. Dead or Alive is supposedly going to get a reboot, and Soul Calibur yes. 7 is definitely a wanted franchise. Like, it's clear that, like, even though, like, we lost some time to these beloved games, like, both the quality of these games lasted with people long enough where they did want something new, but yeah. also, like, they're not resting on laurels and they want to bring something that can deliver something special i think that's the exciting thing at least with at least in the space of fighting games it seems like fighting games are starting to understand what they have to be or what they need to do in order to get people on board um yeah. uh and it's just really cool to see like that's the part i loved about doing this whole fighting game thing is the fact that like
I get to experience these franchises as someone who's not good at fighting games. I will be the first to admit that. Like, but I can still see what people saw in them. And to know, like, even if I were to give like the smallest little blip of recognition with this show to his franchise, like that makes me happy. And to see other people show their love for the respective franchise also makes me happy. Like, yeah. You know, when when pe- when I got a message, someone saying like, oh, yeah, the, I'm so glad you did a thing on Dead or Alive. Like that made yeah. me happy because Dead or Alive is a cool ass franchise filled with the best jiggle physics known to man. <laughs> and it's also a cool ass <laughs> fighting game on top of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you mean, you know, uh, over the almost 30 years that uh, Soul Calibur has been around, I mean, it's only sold like 20 million copies overall worldwide you know over the course of eight games or whatever but still i mean that the the fervor and the passion and the love that the people that play soul caliber and have followed the franchise or you know have discovered the franchise along the way i mean it's true it's there these people love the game and are passionate about it and have fun playing it and immerse themselves in this world this you know medieval uh fantasy world of uh of monsters and nightmares and knights and samurais and exactly and yeah and battling you know for good or for evil and uh, you know are devoted to either side and yeah i mean just it's it's just fun to be a part of that fraternity and have other people along the way um talk to you about it or discover you know discover things about it or like you're you know for you it's like you know all kind of still fresh and new and so so to be able to talk to you about it and your experience with it is super super cool um yeah so i mean it's just it's an incredible game um an incredible franchise and i i love i love everything about it and i just can't wait to see um where else it can go from here i just continuing this crazy this crazy story about these cursed sword and the good sword yeah no and i think um a thing that kind of shows that like people have i'm trying to phrase this it's like a in a way it became like a way for players to kind of show their own dedication to this franchise was the create a soul feature where you got to create your own characters like on the surface level it's like you know if you look at soul caliber 3's box back of the box and it's like you see like the character that they made and he's like this amazing beautiful knight with an eye patch but then you you know Obviously, people do make creations like that, but they also create monstrosities. If you <laughs> if you are listening and you want to see monstrosities, just look up Soul Calibur Six creations. They will give you nightmare yeah. fuel. Yeah, um, <laughs> not nightmare the character in the Soul Calibur no. franchise. No actual nightmare fuel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I. At this point now, I feel like I have become a fighting game fan. And even if I am not a fighting game expert, as it were, you know, if I had to pick a franchise that I feel like I have gotten at least semi semi competent in quotes (laughs) is Tekken. 
just yeah. be- just because of just sheer like force of will to learn that fucking game um but i love that you know giving these franchises and giving this genre as a whole its flowers is important because yeah. fighting games are one of the longest genres in this industry in this medium you know ever yeah. since like the nes days with like uh nes uh, i think it was karate like mm-hmm. it's it's been there from the early days and to like give these games like their proper assessment i think has always been very very fulfilling for me because there's more to these games than just pressing a series of buttons and moving your d-pad to make a combo go off like there's more to it than that there's more going on than doing a fatality there's more going on than doing a tech and rage art uh there's it's all pieces of a puzzle that create like a amazing vision you know yeah. And that's what makes me so happy to talk about fighting games and being so into it now. And now being someone um yeah, I just I'm super glad to be experiencing it finally. Like just nutting up and shutting up. <laughs> I knew we'd get you there one day. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean I think something that's so cool about like fighting games but soul caliber in particular is that you really get to see like an evolution of particular characters and you know especially like somebody like a mainstay like siegfried like he's a like a basically like a german knight who's like all noble in the beginning and then he becomes the wielder of nightmare and just be i mean excuse me (laughs) he becomes (laughs) the wielder of soul edge and becomes nightmare who's basically the embodiment of the he's like the physical embodiment of the weapon itself it totally takes him over and you can just see the struggle of somebody who in the beginning of the game kind of has like noble or like good in them, but then is just totally overtaken by the evil within that is possessed within this weapon. And then he becomes like a, uh, basically like a villain for like the entire two through four trilogy of the game. And, so much to the point where like if you play as nightmare siegfried is actually one of his like alternate character like one of his alternate costumes so it's like you get to see this long three game span of this one particular character battling um the evil within to eventually yeah be Mm. overtaken by it and be you know uh destroyed by it Soul Calibur is cool as hell, ain't it? Yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's the recurring word of the like week or so. It's just this is cool. Like I love it's this. Very, yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you you giga brain and like you know go galaxy brain on a concept, and then you're just like <laughs> wiped. Your brain is wiped out. It's like this is cool. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. No, you're right. <laughs> so I think 
In conclusion, all I can really say is find a way to play one of these games. The easiest way, obviously, is to play Soul Calibur 6 because it's the most recent and most available version or most available game that you can get nowadays. But if you can, if you have a Dreamcast in your closet that's got a lot of dust, find a copy of Soul Calibur or got a PS2 or a GameCube, you can definitely find a copy of one of these games in the franchise um yeah i got i got my copy of soul caliber 5 from my old playstation 3 for like 10 bucks i think if that at the used video game store it's very easy to find there was a bunch of copies yeah so i mean <laughs> at the end of the day just do yourself a service and play at least one of these games you'll 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 thank me late you'll thank us later for this yeah um, so yeah. with do that... a twirl with ivy and her <laughs> with, do a yeah. twirl with ivy and her and snake her, sword <laughs> yeah her, her whip snake sword like god god like if there was ever a character like it would obviously like it's easy to say like oh yeah she's horny baits fan service yeah but at this at that point she is just fucking contrast supreme Yes, she um, is. and she is clearly just like gay coded, and it's <laughs> and I love it. Um, the straight bros can think they have her, but they no, they don't. They got no. I got we got <laughs> Ivy. Um, but I want to thank you once again for joining me on another fighting game odyssey, Brian. It's always an absolute pleasure. <laughs> thank you for having me sam i had so much fun of course it who doesn't love talking about punching and kicking and swinging swords all night uh i know i do <laughs> <laughs> so is with that that i think we shall say 